Hey everyone, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to King Outdoors Podcast. And if you're not having a wonderful day, go ahead and turn that frown upside down. Because, you know, just just do that, alright? Yeah, okay. And then here on the podcast, we have a special guest for you, Hunt Free. Go check him out on Instagram, Hunt Free Media. And if you haven't checked me out, go check me out, kingoutdoor.s. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and stay tuned. All right, guys, like I said, thanks for tuning in. Here we have Jimmy Jaraputo, if I pronounced that right. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have you introduce yourself here, Jimmy. All right, well, uh, like you said, my name is Jimmy Jaraputo. I know the last, last name is uh, tough to pronounce, but I'm used to it, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, originally from New York, I live in Virginia. was in the Coast Guard for four years, and... I love to bow hunt. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. I just want to say thanks for your service. I really appreciate it. And I'm pretty sure that's part of the reason why you started Hunt Free, if I'm not mistaken, right? If you just want to go ahead and tell us about that. Yeah. So I started it, or at least it's kind of funny because I started it with a different intention than what it is now. But the name, basically, obviously, I'm keeping. Um, but at the time, I remember thinking, man, it's going to be nice when I am out of the Coast Guard that I'll finally have some freedom. So I just came up with the name Hunt Free and thought it was simple and clean and people would enjoy it. So that's how it came to be. Okay, cool. So how how old were you when you first started hunting? Like. What got you in the hunting, so to speak? Uh, so my my grandpa always hunted, and then obviously my dad and uncle started to hunt, and then so since my dad always hunted, um, I had watched him do it when I was young, and I believe the first time he took me out with him just to sit with him and be there was, I think I was like five years old. I had just turned five, and then uh, by the time I was seven, um we went out on a hunt and uh he wound up shooting a nice 10 pointer on the ground together and he shot the bucket about six seven yards away so it's pretty epic experience so that's pretty much what started it all and just as i grew older um you know eventually you start to think about like what are the things you like to do and i i don't know if there was a particular time or reason other than a culmination of things but just I knew that I loved to hunt and I never wanted to not do it. So it's pretty much been ingrained in me. Right. So when you were growing up, were you uh, more, was your family more of like bow hunting or strictly gun hunting? Or? Um, so mostly bow hunting because I'm from uh, Long Island, New York. And uh, on Long Island, since it's basically all suburban hunting is where pretty much the only hunting there is unless you hunt on the piece of state land that's there. Um, the regular season is bow hunting. Um, so you, there's only bow hunting and then there's a special season in January uh, with the shotgun, but that's only on state land or like bigger private pieces of land, which is very rare uh, there. So pretty much everyone's bow hunters there for the most part. Um, and we did gun hunt upstate some as I got older, but 
always bow hunting. It's kind of nice because it's, uh, since I love bow hunting so much more when you're there, it's, uh, October 1st to the end of January. So I guess January 31st, it's all bow hunting for four months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of how it is here in Wisconsin. It starts in, well, September and ends like your January 3rd or something like that. And that kind of sounds like an Iowa situation. It sounds like most people from Iowa are bow hunters, but they do have a shotgun season and small caliber rifles, if I'm not mistaken. And going back to where you or where you first started hunting, uh, do you did you is it like strictly compound bows or was there any crossbows involved? Um, so I never used. Well, actually, I can't say I never used a crossbow. I actually killed my first deer with a crossbow in Virginia when I was nine, but that was because I was able to hunt here, but I wasn't able to be the hunter actually like in New York until I was 12. So I used a crossbow then, but uh, when I first started bow hunting on Long Island, when I was about 12, um, crossbows weren't legal to use at the time, but now they are. So, but I have not used one since then. Oh, okay, I see you. So, uh, do you hunt anything other than deer, or is it just strictly whitetails? Uh, I have hunted turkeys, but I haven't hunted them since I'm about 12, but I'll be doing that a bunch more this year. But other than that, I've only ever, yeah, I've only ever hunted whitetails. It's kind of, I was thinking about it, making sure I didn't miss anything <laughs> that I didn't remember doing. But no, yeah, it's only been whitetails, but obviously... Eventually, I plan to change that, and uh, I'd love to get out after some mule deer. I think that would be a pretty awesome hunt. Yeah, I think mule deer hunting would be a pretty fun hunt. Uh, so, do you hunt, you know, like more woods area or, say, fields? or? Uh, so, it's kind of a back and forth for me because Long Island is – like I said, it's all suburban areas, so it's pretty much all woods. Um, I'm sure there is spot there's there are spots with fields, just not the spots that I hunted at. Um, so I grew up mostly hunting just suburban hardwoods, kind of open timber, you know, nothing too crazy. And then you try to find the bedding areas with thick cover, and you know, obviously figure out their travel corridors, and that's pretty much how we hunted there. Uh, but now that I'm in Virginia. And I hunt on a farm here. There's, it's 600 acres and it's half, well, it's just about half ag fields, half woods. So now I get to hunt some fields, which is exciting. Yeah. So say, so would you, would you say that the deer are more skittish where you you hunt now than where you were hunting? Or? Um, uh, I don't know. I think uh, it's like kind of different because it's on Long Island, they're used to people and the noise of people. And, uh, since it's all suburbs, um, and they're, you know, if we've seen deer in the woods that we'll see them at like 60 yards from us, and then they'll be less than a hundred from, you know, someone's backyard where there's dogs running around or they're mowing the lawn and, uh, they're not bothered by it. They just keep on walking. Um, because they're so used to it but i mean but then if they look up in the tree and see you they they act just as any other deer would so it's an interesting dynamic i think virginia um pretty standard par for the course stuff i wouldn't say that they're more or less skittish really here compared to there or anywhere else i've been Mm -hmm. 
Oh, okay. So, uh, what do you, like, I guess, do you use any, like, scent control? Or did you? Ever? Um, I usually, this is how I keep work on my clothes, and it's not as good as I'd like it to be because I live in an apartment, so I don't really have that many resources, but, um, I just, I wash my clothes with either, a, a, you know, a scent-free laundry detergent, some sort of like uh, scent killer. But really now I've just kind of started using baking soda because it's cheaper. It's a scent neutralizer, works more than well enough, um, especially compared to the cost. <laughs> so I just run with that. And then I usually throw my clothes right in the dryer. And from the dryer, I like to not bring them around the house at all. I, I just drop them right in to my bin. I use a pl just a plastic bin from the store and close them up. And then I have some scent-free bags, depending on how much stuff I'm needing or where I'm traveling and all that good stuff. And then um, before I get in the woods, I will spray down with just a scent-away killer um, type spray. And then uh, that's pretty much it. And then obviously just play the wind. The wind is your friend. I uh, This year, I don't know what it was, if it was luck or doing the right things or picking the right winds, but I don't, I don't know that I, I don't, I don't think I got winded until December or the end of November. Um, surprisingly, cause I usually do like on Long Island, they'll, they'll, they'll pick your scent up pretty quick. If you're in the woods, like I said, they're used to people around, but they still have a good nose and they still know when something's not right in the right spot and they're uh, pretty on their game. So I was surprised to say the least. Okay, so going back to that baking soda, I've never really heard of anyone use baking soda. So you just just wash your clothes with it, or yeah, um, I mean, it's so. Have you ever? It's kind of sounds weird, but have you ever heard of uh, people putting uh, baking soda, like a box of it, in like the refrigerator or the freezer? Yeah, and it just I heard yeah, that. I guess it's supposed to neutralize scent. So I don't know even know where I. <laughs> heard of I, I may have just been from my dad and he washes clothes in baking soda but uh for hunting um I mean I don't even know if there's anyone who's ever I'm sure plenty of people have done it and written about it or spoke about it I'm sure but I've never seen anything but I've never really gone looking for it but I know it neutralizes scent and seems to work so I'm gonna keep sticking with it and uh if for some reason I find out that it's not actually working, then maybe I'll see. But I think I think it does. I, I you know I haven't had any problems. It doesn't smell like anything, so I think it works out pretty well. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to look into that because that sounds like a good idea. Actually. Yeah, I'm actually interested now to like see if there's an article or something on it because I've never even really put much thought into it other than just doing it. So yeah. So how much do you like put in? Like I haven't. I don't think you would put in a whole box. But. No, uh, I mean I kind of judge it how I how you would with any other um, scent-free laundry detergent. Just kind of a good proportion to the amount of clothes in there. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really measure it either, which is kind of funny. I just kind of eyeball it, but I don't know. I'd say if whatever you would do in liquid, I would do about the same 
measurement with the powder, maybe a little bit more. I think that that could probably work unless something you read says otherwise. That's just kind of my judgment, how I, how I go about it. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to try that out. So relating to the scents and stuff, do you use any of that stuff of like rather than like, rather than like in the rut than early season or later season? Uh, with, um, like sent away stuff like, or like a scrape thing. Well, like yeah, kind of like a scrape thing, like dopey stuff like that. Um, you know, <clears throat> I have before. Um, but this year I didn't really think too much into it. This year was also a lot of a learning curve for me, not in the sense of what to do or where or how to hunt necessarily, but just being in a new place, trying to get, you know, get life organized and deal with everything else. I didn't have, you know, the time to really go out and work on that stuff. And it's, you know, it's a family friends farm. So now that, um, you know, I've been around a lot more and we've been working on the farm together, like this year coming up, I'll be doing a lot more preseason scouting too. That was the thing is I, I didn't move here till about July. So I didn't have the whole winter time to walk around and shed hunt and um, try to, you know, figure out a game plan for the coming year. I pretty much just showed up here in July. And by that time, you know, most people are about done with everything they're doing to stay out of the woods. And other than making some scrapes later on in the summer and moving cameras, you know, there isn't too much more that they shouldn't have had done by then, at least for the most part. And I didn't want to try to, come up with a halfway game plan. I figured I'd just observe how the season went, what I saw with a few cameras I was able to get out and then use that information coming in this year. So I'm sure this year I'll be doing some mock scrapes in some certain spots now that I've narrowed down on the uh, spots I really want to focus my attention to. So long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> okay, so... Along, that goes along kind of with the grunt calls too. So would you use that during like during the rut, so to speak? Uh, so Long Island is, I always bring it back to that because that's where I've hunted the most. But uh, I have tried grunt calls. Um, I would say that the buck to doe ratio here in Virginia and is not that great to invoke too much like calling. I feel like... Um, from what I've seen, a lot of times it almost – it doesn't seem to work as well. Uh, the bucks don't have to work as hard as they maybe might in the Midwest where the buck-to-doe ratio is a little bit, you know, more narrow. Um, Long Island, similar thing. But with calls, um, actually, um, I'm not sure if you saw on social media or not the book I killed and my dad killed one the same morning. Um, up in New York together, we were sitting only 90 yards apart. Uh, I watched the buck come out of this kind of this grassy field. Um, and, uh, he was heading the other way at about 60 yards, hit the can call, like the doe, the doe and estrus can call. He stopped or he didn't hear it. I did it again. He stopped and looked my way. I did it one more time and he started coming in that whole scenario unfolded and I shot him. And then by the time I shot him within a minute, I saw two more bucks coming in from the, the way he ran. 
And then they wound up working down below me, trying to get downwind. And they worked up the hill behind me. And uh, that's when my dad shot his. So basically called in three deer with one call. Just I shot the first one and he shot the second one. Uh, so the, the can call seemed to work pretty darn good. And then my dad wound up can calling in a, a buck down here in Virginia. So that worked well for us this year. I mean, you know, I don't want to say it's luck of the draw. I mean, it's all subjective to the scenario and the deer's mood at the time, but it just happened to pan out well for us this season a few times. Okay, so that's good. I saw those bucks that you guys did shoot. Not that they're very nice bucks, so congrats on that. And uh, so what's your personal preference when it comes to hunting, like uh, like stand-wise? Do you prefer like a saddle, blind, or like normal, typical deer stand? So um, I don't really ever hunt ground. I actually did last year once or twice though um in these big wooden box blinds that they have on the farm here um i always grew up using a climber for the most part um but now that i have somewhere where i can more have a set set in stone i'm going to be putting on some lock-ons in some good spots um uh like i said now that i have a lot more time on my hands to and that I've been here longer to narrow in on those good spots. But I used a saddle this year uh, for the first time, hanging hunt. So I would just, every time I'd go in, I'd set up my climbing sticks and then set up the saddle and hop in. And that is by far my favorite thing to hunt out of. I shot uh, both of my bucks this year out of the saddle. And I think that I may even in the future just wind up setting up sticks in the trees that I want to hunt instead of having a lock on staying up there all year. And then just every time bring in my saddle platform and just hop up and be ready to go. Cause if you take the climbing sticks out of the equation, you can be set up, you know, obviously way quicker than having to do them every time. So that's kind of my game plan on that. But I think there's a use for both, you know, the lock ons or the hang ons and the, uh, saddle but uh, i'd have to pick the saddle as my favorite so do you think you're do you feel more mobile in a saddle um i mean i think if you're comparing if you're comparing like using climbing sticks and a hang-on stand and climbing sticks and a saddle platform with a saddle and hanging uh hanging hunts and every time you go in you set up your sticks and set up your stand then definitely the saddle beats it um if you have stuff you know the ability to have just stuff set up and leave it in your set you know on private land or whatever or if you know if you know that the people in your area aren't going to mess with your stuff on public land um then i think the lock-on is not a bad option um and if you have the ability to have multiple lock-ons or hang-ons, I should say, and then I think that's even makes more sense to hang those up and leave those there. But if you can really only go with, you know, you can only afford to have one platform and maybe then you have multiple sets of sticks, I think just carrying around the one saddle platform from, you know, each spot to each spot and setting that up, I think it's way better. I think, um, like I said, it's a tool, you know, there's not one thing that really beats the other in every aspect. 
Um, but the saddle is very comfortable. It feels very mobile. You can, you really can, as long as you practice and you feel comfortable in it and you work on your form with it, you can hundred percent shoot 360 degrees around the tree. So that's kind of a hard thing to beat, honestly. Um, cause I shot my deer this year. I, I swung all the way around the front, the left side of the tree and he was out in front of me to the right about 20 yards. So it was a, I basically just dangling from the tree when I shot him and can't do that in a hang on. So I guess if that says anything about it. Okay. Yeah. I want to, I've never, me personally, I've never used a saddle, but I want to. So yeah. In the future sometime, hopefully, hopefully I can eventually get a buck out of a saddle. But, uh, what do you do? You do anything in the off season, like physical activity or anything like that? Uh, well, I try to work out all year and stay. You mean like work out, right? Yeah, like stay yeah. Fit. I try to work out all year, but I'll uh, I, for the last like month and a half of the season, I was running around enough that I barely worked out, but I've just been getting back into it now. So, pretty much try to stick with that all year. Um. And then obviously during the off season, it makes it a little bit easier to do it a lot more because you're not worried about being in a tree. Right, right. <laughs> so you also shoot your bow? You shoot your bow daily or weekly? Um, I haven't shot my bow much at all in the last six months other than shooting deer. Actually, pretty sure the only time I've shot my bow is when I shot deer this year because it's since, like I said, I live in an apartment. And it's like 45 minutes to the archery range and about 40 minutes to the farm. So I don't have the time to get over there too much. Um, thankfully, when I was in the Coast Guard, I was able to shoot in my backyard at that place that I lived at. And I shot every day that I wasn't at work, I shot. So I shot enough in the last two years that I feel really comfortable with my form and uh, knock on wood, haven't had you know, any target panic issues. And I really don't foresee that being an issue for myself with how I've worked on it. Um, but I'm definitely going to be uh, shooting a lot more here this off season than I did last year, like uh, the last summer for sure. Okay. And I see you there. Basically, I feel like all hunters, basically the least time you would expect, uh, like the uh, bow hunters to be shooting is, during the actual season itself because everyone's always in the stand they're always worried about hunting so therefore i feel like most most bow hunters during that that time don't really shoot their bow a lot yeah i just shot sorry you there mm -hmm. are you there sorry you got cut oh, off. i said, said? I, I shot my bow at deer that was my practice <laughs> oh yeah exactly <laughs> so uh what was your closest deer that you shot this year uh i well i shot three deer this year i shot one doe with the rifle um the furthest deer i shot was 20 yards the closest deer i shot was seven yards i shot the eight pointer here in virginia he actually walked right underneath my tree he was directly below me uh, with like eight minutes left of legal shooting light. And then he walked out to set about seven yards 
and shot him right there. So that, that I think that was actually the closest I've ever shot a deer at. Really? That sounds like my, my deer this year. A deer I shot this year, he actually came chasing in two doe. And this was this was pretty well, like, it was probably an hour before dark yet. And he came chasing two. They look like younger doe, in my opinion. But they turned off and went completely the opposite direction for me. And this buck, some for some reason, totally turned off of those doe and came running straight towards me. And he was, like, directly underneath my stand. And, you know, he was a couple steps out from it. And then I took a shot. But I have one of those adjustable pins, right? So I had my pin set at, like, 20 or 30 yards. So, like, okay, I, I feel like I've practiced because I've practiced, you know, like, back here shooting in the backyard, shooting, like, my pin at 20 yards when there's a deer at, like, 10 yards or something like that. So I felt confident taking the shot, and I shot the shot. And it did shoot really high, which is what I wanted to do, and it came out well on the other side because of the – it's a very, very steep angle. So, yeah, it sounds like related to yeah. your deer, huh? Uh, I've definitely, uh, I think, yeah, that was definitely the closest I've ever shot a deer at. I'm almost certain of it. Yeah, this is probably definitely my, my closest I've ever shot a deer. Probably always will be. I don't know if I'll I'd be able to do that again. <laughs> but how far did your run? Um... The one that I shot in New York, like I said, I shot him at 20 yards, uh, and he ran only 40 yards. And actually, the one in Virginia, I made a – so um, I didn't make a mistake in my shooting, but what had happened was, you know, he's at seven yards, and I was about 21 feet up in the tree, so that's a pretty steep angle. And I had set my pin to 25 yards because that's where I thought the like predominant trail was which it probably was. He just happened to not come on it. And I actually hit him an inch higher than I aimed because it was such a hard quartering angle. So it actually hit him in the spine. And then I just put one more in him and then, uh, you know, he died right there. But if I would have had my pin at 20 and I would have aimed a half inch lower, it would have went right into the top of the back rib and went out the other side. So Missed my mark by about a half an inch, of course, <laughs> but that's why you get, that's why it's bow hunting because it's a game of inches and happens to the best of us. So, yeah, exactly. And you know, every deer is different. You know, like the deer I shot, that thing it probably ran, I don't know, two hundred thirty yards. That thing ran so far. I'm surprised I even found him. Like at first, I was like, "Oh yeah, I made a good shot." But then I started thinking maybe it was too far back because the, the deer ran like probably this is probably the deer that ran the furthest for me and wound up being like it was the closest deer I've ever shot in my life and it ran the furthest of all my deer wow. I've ever shot. So yeah, it was very very interesting. So uh, what's what's your gear? What kind of what kind of bow release arrow stuff like that? Uh. I currently have the Matthews Triax that I'm trying to sell if anybody would like it. <laughs> I'm just sh shameless plug <laughs> there um, because I actually am getting the V3. I already have it uh, at the shop here. I just haven't gotten picked it up yet. Um, and uh, I use HHA sites. Um, so I have the Tetra tournament right now. 
Uh, I have shrewd stabilizers, but as everyone may have seen, HHA just dropped their new stabilizers, so I'll be getting those um, soon, and like once they're available. And then, uh, let me think. I use a Carter button release, but I switch between that and the True Fire Sear hinge release. Um, but m- mostly the button okay. is what I use. So, um, so uh, I think you never really use a hinge like in a. Oh, uh, I would. I always keep it in my bag. I just start with the button. So I just, I just feel more comfortable with it. it makes it a little bit easier. I can keep it on the D loop. I don't have to have it dangling from my hand. Um, I just prefer it and I feel comfortable with it. So, um, but I, if I had to use the hinge, like if I drop my button out of the tree or something, I would be more than fine with it. I feel very comfortable using it. It's, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun tool. And it definitely actually, I think it helped me get, rid of target panic that I had used to have using the button. So using the hinge was actually a really good uh, way of getting over that. Yeah, I would feel like if I had, well, I actually am starting to get over target panic, but uh, I feel like that would make it a lot easier for people to get over target panic would be with a hinge release. Me, myself, would I'm kind of scared to use a hinge release in the stand. Oh, I've never actually really tried a hinge release like ever in my life, but it's something I want to try. And it's not something that I can see myself, me personally, and see myself using one of those in the stand just because I feel like I wound up, you know, shaking way too much. And I feel like I'd end up punching myself. And, you know, (laughs) there goes the gear. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because in the most stressful situation, using that release, you're supposed to be as relaxed as possible. So it's definitely a balance. But I think if you like, if you tried it, you might like it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try one of those. So, uh, what kind of arrows do you use? Um, I uh, currently have some Eastern Axis arrows, but I'll be getting. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, DCA custom arrows. Um, I'll be using, I think he said he's going to make me Black Eagle Renegades custom. So he, he custom tailors arrows um, like with all the proper brass and inserts and in the right spot all to your spec. So I'll be using 99% sure they'll be Black Eagle. But like I said, he custom tailors them to you. So pretty sweet deal. Oh, really? That's pretty cool. How do you like those those axes? Those are next arrows. Uh, they're yet. awesome. I didn't actually shoot uh, my deer with those because I actually got those halfway through the season uh, just needing arrows. I'm not a very huge gear spec guy. I just use what works, um, you know. And, you know, it's it suited for me. Like, there was, uh, you know, they're all weighted the same and everything and tailored for myself, but I don't – picky with that stuff i'd actually shot both of my deer with black eagle spartans and then they didn't have them uh when i needed more so i just got the axis but you know tune them to be the same as the spart uh as the spartans yeah so yeah that's one of those things i think is kind of overrated people go over the top with arrows uh like me i 
me personally would kind of want a heavier arrow just because if you do end up hitting the uh the shoulder blade there it can really punch through but uh one of those arrows i don't really like but works for other people is those fjs like yeah those. i would use them if i had a longer jaw length i just don't have enough speed to justify that much weight per arrow um but i'm gonna be getting my arrows made kind of in a middle ground so they'll kind of be balanced out for uh um yeah they'll be kind of in the middle they won't be too won't be too heavy but they won't be built for speed they'll be in the middle somewhere right right so yeah uh i just want to say thanks for having you on i appreciate it a lot yeah thank you man i uh glad i got to come on here and talk and I haven't really thought about much of this stuff in a while because, I, like I said, I'm not uh, a huge gear guy. I don't really think about too much of what I do. I just kind of do it. So it was interesting to hear it as you're asking me, like, oh, what what do I do with that? Or what, you know, what is my thoughts on that? So it kind of keeps me in check a little bit. So that's always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, before we end it off, do you got any, like, stories? Like, what's one story that you would remember from hunting? Uh, like, uh, like a, just a good hunt in general? Yeah, like, just, like, your favorite hunt that you basically remember. Uh, well, I'll share two quick stories. I, I was thinking about it today, actually. Um, just place that I've been so far, uh, Kentucky, I uh, went there in September, um, that, that place was awesome. Um, I'm, I mean, I'll definitely be going back this year. Um, I just thought that that place in general was awesome. The public land that we hunted was awesome. Uh, the hunt in general was just super memorable and different and unique. And, um, I'd been thinking about hunting out of state in the coast guard for years. So I finally got to do it. That was awesome. But I think the most memorable hunt was the one that happened this year with my dad when we because we both shot those bucks. We were sitting 90 yards apart and we shot them. I think it was like 12 minutes apart. Um, and it was, uh, and I actually got to watch hit. I didn't even know he was shooting cause I couldn't see him, but I could see the deer as it walked up the hill. And mind you, this buck walked up the hill. Had he not walked up the hill and walked three more steps to his right, he would have cleared a tree and I was going to shoot him too at 30 yards. <laughs> so that would have been really epic, but it was even cooler that my dad was able to get him. So deer stand there at 45 yards from me and 45 yards from him through the woods. And I just watched the arrow smack. And then the buck actually wound up instead of running straight, cause he was facing away from me, wound up turning around after he got hit and ran three yards from me underneath the tree. So I was able to see like everything unfold right there. It was like, couldn't even have dreamt it up if I tried. Okay, that's pretty cool, actually. So, yeah, uh, basically, I was, the point of this podcast, really, are just to, you know, make myself a better hunter and people who are listening. So I hope you even learn something from this yeah. as well. And I hope that uh, uh, I hope that if I gave some bad advice about anything that people don't follow it. <laughs> but I think I think I'm uh, I'd like to th- say that I'm a decent hunter and I don't do anything like weird or outlandish i 
keep it pretty simple and just have fun. That's really my whole thing is having fun. And uh, it's all about the people you're hunting with too. So that's always the biggest thing. I don't know. You're pretty weird. Who is baking soda? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm going to have to look into it because I've never heard of that. But I yeah, that was the thing I'm I was questioning. I was like, you know, I, maybe I maybe I shouldn't be doing that. But uh, I think it's good. I think if we look it up, we'll find a we'll find out that it's it's a fine thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to do that, though, because that, that really sounds like it would work, actually. So, Well, I appreciate you having me on and, uh, you know, Anything you ever need, just shoot me a question, and same for everybody else. All right, yeah, just thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for being on this podcast again. I hope all you guys listening had a good time listening, and uh, we'll stay tuned. Boop boop boop.